Welcome to the first uh, Cabinet meeting of uh, the new term. Um, and as usual, this meeting is broadcast live. Uh, the first uh, item on our agenda is apologies for absence and declarations of interest. None. Any declarations of interest? As a member of the County Council, Chairman. Thank you. The second item is to review the minutes of the meeting held on the 19th of March. Uh, those present, do you believe them to be an accurate record? And are there matters arising from those minutes that you wish to raise on page, I've got page 5, but the 103 to 105. 106 to 108. 109 to 111, which goes over the page. 112, 113. 114, 115. 116, 17, and 18. There were no matters arising. I would duly sign the minutes at the end of the meeting. Um, items 4 and 5 rather repeat themselves, so I'll take item 5. Um, questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council? There are none. Uh, matters referred to the executive uh, from either overview and scrutiny or the budget and policy framework rules? None? Reports from performance and audit and scrutiny? I guess it's too early for that because you haven't met yet. I just wanted to say something, Mr Chairman. Obviously, as you say, the scrutiny um, committee hasn't yet met, or the new, the new committee hasn't yet met. It is due to meet on the um, 24th of this month, um, when we'll be largely dealing with a, a training session on the principles behind scrutiny, and there's an expert which I, I believe has been to Uttlesford previously uh, leading that. So, you know, whilst it's, it's too early for me to speak on behalf of the committee, because the committee hasn't yet met, what I'm hoping is that the committee will focus more on internal Uttlesford improvement um, ideas rather than, as in the past, I think there's been a great, perhaps too much of an emphasis on focusing on external organisations. I think we probably need to rebalance that. Um, I, I, I think we'll find that we will need to work closely with cabinet members and officers in terms of drawing up a, a work programme in due course. Um, as you know, the um, scrutiny has got two main strands, one to help development policy and to find ways of improving the way the council works and sometimes to hold decision makers such as yourselves uh, to account in a, in a constructive way. So early days, um, looking forward to the new me committee meeting soon and we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Indeed. Um, I, I can say publicly that uh, unfortunately I won't be at your first meeting as I'm uh, on leave but uh, Sue 
Will, Will on the 24th of June. Thereafter, I'll obviously always try and make the meeting. Okay, uh, thank you. It's nothing from performance and audit, so that make, moves us on to item 8 on our agenda, which is the 2014-15 draft uh, out turn, and I call upon Councillor Howell to present this paper. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, this report sets out the, the Council's financial position for 2014-15. Um, and the level of reserves as at the 31st of, the, of, of, 31st of March 2015. Um, the report summarises three principal positions, which is the general fund, where there's a net favourable variance of £20,000 after allowing for planned transfers of reserves, um, the housing revenue account, which has an in-year surplus of £2,314,000, and the capital programme, where there's expenditure of 8,480,000, which is 3,736,000 below the budget. Uh, This is in part explained by a slippage uh, in the year uh, of 3,620,000. Now, the draft 2014-15 statement of accounts are consistent with the um, 2014-15 results that are reported here. They will be certified by the Director of of Finance and Corporate Services shortly. They will be then going to the uh, Performance and Audit Committee for information on the 30th of July before the final accounts are submitted to Performance and Audit in September. If there are any issues that arise during the external audit process, that will be coming back to our meeting in September. There are three recommendations for the Cabinet tonight. The first is to approve the outturn for 2014-15 as set out in the report. Secondly, to approve the reserve transfers and the reserve balances, again as set out in the report. And finally, to approve the capital programme slippage requests. Um, I, I don't propose to talk in detail to the paper but it is very detailed. Um, I I would draw attention to certain items, if you don't mind. Um, So the the net operating expenditure uh, of $4,845,000 shows a favourable movement of $889,000 in the year. I think what we need to emphasise is that there's overall a net favourable variance of £20,000 set out in the table on page 9. And if you turn over leaf on page 10, sorry, on um, note 10, you'll see there the, the principal um, budget variances uh, against forecast for each of the principal items. Um, talking to, to the key variances, I'll only draw attention to, I, I think, one, which I think is um, Councillor Barker's favourite topic on page 15, which is public health, the 217,000 positive variants because of the import of green beans. Um, But they are each uh, identified either variable or or adverse variances, um, favourable or adverse. Uh, Overall, there have been quite significant variances, um, and I think that there is probably an acknowledgement by officers that there's the potential to improve forecasting. That having been said... The budget has been managed overall at a corporate level very well. To end up with a positive variance of 20,000, I think, is a a commendable achievement. And I'd like to congratulate the finance team for completing the preparation um, of the the accounts two weeks ahead of schedule, ready for the auditors to come in shortly. So my thanks to Angela and Matthew, Sarah, Shardash, Emma and Helen for all their hard work. So that deals with the, um, the outturn position. Turning over to page 18, 
Um, we deal here with the reserves. Um, the table on 14 is a summary of the general reserves, and they show that there's been a net decrease in reserves of 902,000 during the year. Um, we've had considerable discussion at other committees that I've attended about the reserves, and for those who are unfamiliar with them, they form two primary categories, ring-fenced reserves and usable reserves, and it is important that we, we note the difference between those two rather than the total reserves figure at, at, the, at the bottom of the table on 14. Um, now, during the course of the last year, we did approve and agree a new reserve strategy, which I hope gives a degree of transparency uh, and, an, and a heading, which, which is against each of the items, so we can understand the movements within the year, both the transfers in and the transfers out, and the year-end position. Um, but they are set out in quite some detail. Um, so that's the reserves position. And then the third item, which we're recommended to approve, um, Oh, sorry, we need to note rather, is the housing revenue account. Um, this is the third year that we've operated the new housing revenue account business plan. Um, the original intention was that in this year we'd have an operating surplus of 3.36 million. Um, in the event, we have a um, variance to the original budget of 310,000. Uh, the reason for this is there's been requests. Um, for a, a series of delayed projects through to 2015-16, and those are set out in 19, or table 19. The variances again are on 20, and the HRA reserves are on 21. Then finally, the capital programme, which is the third item, which is for the Cabinet recommended to approve, shows that um, there's been slippages of 3,620,000 during the year, um, and full details of the capital projects can be seen in Appendix C, uh, and the variances are set out in 23. We also contain, the paper also contains two appendices which are of note, which is the first, the Section 106 balances, and the Treasury Management Report, which is set out as Appendix E. Um, I would propose the recommendation that we approve the outturn position, that we approve the reserves transfer and the, the reserves balances, um, and also that the Cabinet approves the capital programme and slippage. Um, I think overall the outturn is satisfactory. The Council continues to, to manage its finances in, in, in a balanced and prudent fashion, weathering the uncertainties of the last few years. Um, I think we maintain an appropriate and prudent approach to reserves, um, ring-fencing those items that we can't control, and providing, in the context of the medium-term financial strategy and the uncertainties which we almost uncertainly or certainly face, with appropriate reserves for the, for the events that we may anticipate taking place. Um, but what I'm also pleased to note is that despite these, un these challenges, we continue to invest in capital projects where it's appropriate, and I'm pleased with the items as set out. They seem to be the, the type of things we as an organisation should be investing in. So I'd, I'd like to suggest and uh, propose that we, that we approve the capital programme slippage. Thank you, Councillor Howard. Do I have a second uh, for that articulate one recommendation? Thank you very much. I open it up to the floor for comment. Councillor Lodge. 
Thank you. Uh, interested in, in reserves, um, two points. Really. One, one's probably my own ignorance on, on the, the, the working balance, how that might, might be calculated. I presume that's related to ongoing cash flows and reserves for a certain period of time. And secondly, on business rates, um, is it not surprising that we have such a, um, a large fall in the uh, reserves held? Does that indicate that uh, our collection of business rates is declining or the payment is declining? Both these items are, are ring-fence reserves. I'm, I'm not close enough to the detail to, to answer the question on the, the working balances. The, the business rates reserve is a very significant reserve for a particular change of circumstance which arose from government legislation. I think probably Mr Webb will, will be more impressive in, in his explanation of the business rates reserve than I am, but, uh, but nevertheless, um, they are both items that we, we felt it was prudent and appropriate for us to preserve, reserve against. The working balance is a statutory figure, but I'm sure either Adrian or Angela will elaborate on that. Sorry, just say, I'll, I'll take that other one off, the, the, the working balance, I'll take that offline, because obviously it's not a... Thank you, Chairman. Um, the business rates reserve is set up because of the accounting practices around business rates. Effectively, the income we receive in one year is, isn't recognised in the accounts until the following year. So we, um, although we might have a high level of income in that current year, if the previous year was below what we anticipated, then we have to set up this reserve. And due to the change in the business rates retention scheme, compared to the pooling system we had before, there's been a huge amount of change and difference and we needed um, a large reserve to cover any shortfalls from the estimated business rates income to the actual business rates income that's um, recognised in the accounts 18 months or so after it's, it's actually um, provided for. It's a completely different, it's, it's opposite to the way we would normally account in normal accounting processes. Business rates retention scheme is worked in arrears, whereas we work within actual financial years. Um, I can send you some detail if you'd like a more detailed explanation, but really it is quite complex. Even the experts struggle to understand it. But it, it literally is about carrying stuff forward into a future year and um, reconciling that back to previous year. Yes, I'd say it's a change in accounting practice effectively rather than a significant drop in, in business rates. We, we are actually right. still continuing to, um, to receive a sort of a high level of income for business rates. That is continuing. Do we anticipate as the situation stabilises and you gain experience over a sort of four to five year period that that figure will come down or do you think it will always remain a fairly high figure? We will potentially always have a reserve there. We wouldn't expect to hold it at that level okay. continuously, no. Other questions from the floor? Councillor Dean. Mm. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Very um, useful and, and important uh, report. Um, and when I, when I read it this morning, I thought uh, that this, initially I thought it was too good to be true in that um, I, I thought I was reading that the um, variance or the change in the outturn since it was reported in February, which was at the time that the, count, the budget for this year was set, was only £20,000. Um, but then when I explored further and, and, and took advice, I, I realised that it was more like £900,000. In other words, there was a, 
an additional uh, £900,000 underspent this year compared with what was forecast back in February. Um, and, and if I'm reading this correctly, and perhaps Councillor Howell can confirm that, what seems to have happened, or what has happened, is that money that was intended to be spent from reserves for pensions of round about just short of £900,000 has in fact been used, sorry, has been funded from the underspend and the reserves that were to be spent have actually stayed in reserves. So um, what, what, I mean, what that tells me is that the, the council is round about just under £900,000 better off than we thought it was going to be in in only a few months ago, so I'd like Councillor Howell to confirm that I'm correct in that. And I guess you know, a, a, sub, a supplementary question is going to be: so what? What are we going to do, or what is the council going to do with that money, or is it going to stay in reserves without any clear picture? In which case, the the debate that Councillor Howell referred to earlier, that we've had on numerous occasions about the use of reserves, you know, may have to resume, but um, that's probably not for tonight. <laughs> Again, thank you, thank you Councillor Dean. Um, I will probably have to defer to, to, to Mr Webb for the detail, but you're, you're, you're right to the extent that yes, we have a positive variance of £20,000 and we have made a contribution to the pension scheme of three years in one year which had previously been identified as coming out of reserves of £900,000. Um, I, I think I probably am going to have to defer to, to Mr Webb for an explanation as to the impact on reserves because I don't believe that, oh, oh sorry Anja, <laughs> um, for, for an explanation as to the impact on reserves because my, my belief is that the reserves actually have gone down by £900,000 in the course of the year. Thank you. Um, we have used the, the revenue balances to fund the pension deficit over for the next three years out of the underspend. Um, the reserves have still reduced by 902,000 irrelevant of the underspend because obviously we've used that. Um, there is a detailed table. To go through everyone would be quite complex. Um, I'm just trying to find what point it's at. The 902 shows in point 17. Um, services did underspend. There is a detailed table in here of the main variances. I think I might have missed the point of the question when I was talking to you. Well, if I'm correct in interpreting the table on, in paragraph 17, that, that actually shows the reserves having increased by 902,000 compared with what was expected. Is that... No, they've gone down. They've gone down. We have. We've, we've gone down is, is from 12.3 million to 11.4. And, and is that compared with what was budgeted, or is that just simply because that's what was planned? Some of it was planned, some of it was unplanned. It's been really complex to try and present this due to the new reserve strategy. So we've had monies, we've had um, some reserves being made um, defunct, and then we've created new reserves in line with the reserve strategy and as you'll see the brackets on the table in 17 shows monies coming out of the reserves and as you'll see there's a net effect of 902,000 showing a reduction in reserves irrelevant of the 748 not being used. Thank you. I mean I'm happy to take this offline obviously the, 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 the report 
is as is, and therefore presumably you're going to approve it. But I mean, I think there's a, an ongoing discussion about reserves, and this, all, all the reason I raise this is it just shows that you can move money around, and it presents it presents a picture slightly differently unless you dig beneath the surface. And uh, digging beneath the surface is a, is a useful exercise that I'm sure we shall uh, uh, t take on, on a future occasion. Well, I'm happy to uh, have the discussion now happy to continue the discussion now because we want to be open and transparent. I think the key point is that Uttlesford District Council is £900,000 uh, worse off than it was at the beginning of the year in, in its reserves. Um, so uh, you're right in terms of the current account because the pension fund was taken from reserves uh, for you know, over a period of three years, uh, we've converted reserves into a current account figure. So you're right that technically um, we traded £900,000 in surplus last year. That's a fair comment. And, and I sense beneath your comment is, you know, why. Um, you'll have seen the variance category by category. Uh, there are big variances either way, um, and it is, you, you know, this is this is a this is quite a skill in terms of being able to accurately reflect, obviously, a moving situation in terms of people, their circumstance, uh, the level of business activity, the level of imports, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, whether it's luck or good judgment to come within uh, £20,000, although you might say £900,000, uh, we can have that discussion. I know that the finance team. You know, continually try to improve the accuracy of um, their estimating, uh, but the fundamental point is that if we're going to come out one way or the other, we'd much prefer to come out on the side of being in credit than in debit, obviously. Uh, we don't want any nasty surprises at the end of the year. So, um, I think the important figure is, 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 is the reserve position. Um, we've got about £5 million in usable reserves. Um, I'm sure some of that uh, will be used during the course of the year. And one figure I'd like to ask for, and I'm sure we'll get this in an update of the medium-term financial strategy, is what the anticipated reserve figure is uh, end of March 2016, because I think that's quite, a, quite an important pic uh, figure that the Council needs to understand. Um, so I don't know whether you want to take that any further, but... Um I, I think only to say, I, think, I guess my question really is, is what has been the net movement since February when the budget is set? And, I, and it's not clear to me yet, having only scrutinised this partially and understood these figures partially, whether the Council is in fact, whether it's in the revenue account or whether it's in reserves, is the council now around about £900,000 £900, better off as a basis of this estimate, the closed figure as opposed to the assumptions that were made in February? I'll ask that, Angela to, uh, that, that's really to, the to, figure to, to I'm clarify trying to that, but on. I would imagine that in February they were anticipating that they would do what they've done at the end of the year. Sorry, Councillor Howell is going to answer that one. Peter, I was simply going to say, I think there is a misunderstanding. There, we are not £900,000 better off. The money has been spent as a, on, on pension contribution, but I think there's, a, a, there's a, a risk that we will confuse 
the outturn and, and our reserves. We, we, we have to provide prudent and appropriate reserves. The reserves have gone down by £900,000, and we can analyse each of these, these items if we want to. The idea that we move money around is incorrect. There are clear titles and items against this. There's transfers in and transfers out, but they are properly documented and accounted for. So th this isn't smearing figures, and I, I wouldn't want anyone to suggest that there's a, a process within the accounts function here at, at Uttlesford of simply moving money around. What is important, and I think the leader has made, made it quite clear, we would be having a very, very different debate if we had underperformed and we had found ourselves four or five hundred thousand pounds in the opposite direction. We should be focusing on the good news, which is the headline figure is a plus 20,000 and is to be welcomed rather than focusing on, on, on what might be, um, which I don't think is. Uh, sorry, just to clarify what I'm trying to pursue. It, it is my understanding that the three-year pension contribution of round about £900,000, instead of being funded from reserves and therefore taken out of reserves, mm -hmm. which may or may not have made the reserves go down by round about £1.8 was instead funded from the underfund, underspend on the, on the revenue account. So, in other words, the money's come from somewhere else, and therefore, am I not correct in saying that the £900,000 or whatever the figure was that would have been spent on pension contribution remains in reserves instead of having been taken out. That, that's, that's really the, the key thing, because I'm not sure we've got, quite got to that yet. Yeah, and at this time I will ask Ranger. But the answer is that there's £900,000 that's in reserves. Um, but in answer to your earlier question, what's happened between February and now, uh, my understanding would be that you, you had intended in February to do what you've done at the year-end position. But perhaps you can clarify. I think we understand what Councillor Dean's getting at. Yes. Um, Councillor Rolf, um, basically we would have anticipated um, reducing the reserves by that 748. We haven't needed to do that because of the underspend within the net operating expenditure budget. So had, had we have done that at the year end, we probably would have been 1.6 million less in reserves. We're now um, 902,000 got a reserves reduction and we've used the revenue budget to fund the pension deficit instead of reserves. I think that answers my question. You know, so it, it is a case of moving money, money from one place to another, uh, and, and uh, we're, I think we're all understanding that now. And that's the end of the discussion. As far as I'm with concerned, with the greatest respect, it is not a case of moving money. Well, it's not taking it from one place, but taking it from somewhere else. I mean, typically, uh, yeah. at the year end, any surplus would go into reserves in any case. Yeah. So I think that's uh, yes. the, the point that's being made. There's no, no, you know, this is a fully and absolutely transparent process. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. it's just a case of understanding it and yeah. making sure we all understand it. Thank okay. you. Um, just one more question from the Chair in terms of, you know, we understand major building projects, particularly in our housing department, won't always fall within the exact year. Um, but I guess, Councillor Redfern, what the Cabinet needs to be reassured is that um, we will catch that up um, and A, we haven't lost anything and, 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 and B, uh, we will be able to sort of regain the momentum. Well, yes, 
to all of that. We, there have been delays on different projects, as you're all aware, particularly at um, Mead Court, and, and that we are playing catch-up. But as, with, as anybody involved in the building industry knows, things, everything that can go wrong does go wrong, and on that site it did, and that is why we've got behind. And um, although I am pleased to say that I did drive round Stansted yesterday and have a look, and um, it's absolutely brilliant to see um, the first phase completed and the hoardings up on the other side of the road but um, yes we will catch up I mean it's for, you know you know how I feel we can't do this quick enough but um, unfortunately that isn't how it works but yes you can be rest assured I'm doing my very best to spend this money any other questions those in favour of the recommendation as read out by Councillor Howell which is on item four of your agenda um, those in favour those against? Unanimously carried. Moving on to item 9 of our, on our agenda, the procurement strategy. Again, Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader. Um, it's an annual requirement for us to review the uh, procurement strategy for the forthcoming year. Um, the paper is attached to the report. The recommendation is that we approve the, uh, the procurement strategy. Um, I would note, if you, read the con if you look at the contents, that it's dominated by major housing contracts in particular. Um, I won't speak to it in detail, um, but there is reference on page 2 of the paper um, to the re-procurement of the Housing Responsive Repairs and Void Property Maintenance contract. Um, and then an additional 10 contracts which were uh, unplanned pieces of work during the course of the year. Um, there's reference also to the new public contracts regulations in 2015 which come into effect and change the way we procure um, goods and services um, below the EU threshold of 172,000 and works of um, 4.3 million. Um, I won't talk to the action plan which for 2014-15 or the ambition and priorities for 2015-16, but the, the work plan um, for 2014 through to the end of 2016, as you see, is dominated very much by the one major piece of procurement for £10 million um, over the contract value on page 8, uh, plus a number of other items. Ms. Leader, that's the recommendation. Thank you very much indeed. We have a seconder. Councillor Wells, open to the floor to comment. Mrs Oakley has been very busy. Could you uh, let the Cabinet know a little bit more about eBuy? <laughs> Thank you, Councillor Rowe. Um, eBuy is our, our system we use for purchase ordering. It's, it's um, actually on the back of our Integra financial information system. We felt we wanted to make something a bit more approachable, so we, we've just sort of nicknamed it eBuy. Um, electronic ordering system, fairly new into the organisation. Um, we are improving its use, and one of the big advantages is it will be able to speed up invoice payments. When goods are delivered or when services are completed, uh, whoever's ordered them needs to go into the purchase order and effectively receipt it, which is like a, a, a proactive way to approve payment of the invoice. When the invoice comes in, um, Angela's team in the creditors' function can pay that far more quickly. Um, it will also start linking through into the financial information system to give commitment accounting for us. So 
huge, huge benefits to the organisation. Does it give you full, or the organisation, full transparency of all spend? Yes, it will do. Yes. Um, anything that we are now ordering will either have to be ordered on, on eBuy or a spend on a, a government procurement card. Yeah. Excellent. I wish we had that in the health service. Good. Other questions? And, you, and still, Councillor Lodge. I was only going to make maybe a slightly flippant point in that. I wonder if we were making use of the special purchasing expertise of our leader. We make use of, of any collaborative arrangements we, we can, yes. Um, and I know that the team were very helpful when we introduced government procurement cards. We came and spoke with your team, didn't we, a while ago? Um, we've spoken to the NHS about using several of their framework arrangements. Um, Eastern Shires, Yorkshire purchasing, lots of collaborative work going on and where it's appropriate so for us to use it we do. No, not at all. <laughs> I think at the other end the health service has got to think outside the box because a lot of its frameworks are limited to health and going forward we need to open these out for local government generally and, and there's a lot happening at the centre around that. So, yeah. Any other questions? Okay, well thanks very much indeed for your uh, Great work, Christine, and um, another busy year ahead, starting with broadband. Okay, those in favour of the um, recommendation, which is laid out at item four. Those against, unanimously carried. Taking us on to item 10, which is the 2016-17 so, uh, not this year, next year, local council tax support scheme. Councillor Howell. Well, if we thought item 8 was complicated, item 10 is even more so. I'm going to take a deep breath before I do this one. Um, we're required to uh, review annually. Sorry, I, I should, I'm going to interrupt you because it's Mrs Oakley's birthday today and we're very grateful for her coming in, especially on her birthday. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Thank you, Leader. Um, I was simply going to say that it's a requirement for us to um, review the Council Tax Support Scheme. Um, even in the event that no change is proposed, we still have to go out to consultation. Uh, a decision will be taken by, uh, council in full, uh, by full Council in December. Um, you'll see from Table 8... Uh, sorry, paragraph, Table 8 on Paragraph 8 that, that Uttlesford um, has consistently maintained... The, um, the most generous local council tax support scheme uh, within Essex. And indeed, in the debates that we've had in full council in the past, I think it's been clear that we maintain uh, one of the most generous schemes, in fact, within the country. Um, it's a record that I think that councillors, the whole council, can be proud of. Um, it's a consequence of the financial prudence that we've applied in the way we run the council. Um, and it's a, a representation of the fact that we seek to be a compassionate council. Um, we set the original contribution rate at 8.5% when the scheme was introduced in 2013-14. We increased the rate in 2014-15 to 12.5%. We've then subsequently frozen it and we're proposing, the recommendation is, to freeze it for a, effectively a further year. Um, there are a number of items that are put forward to Cabinet today for um, 
recommend, recommended for approval. Um, firstly, that the recommendation uh, is that the consultation be carried out on the following draft proposals. That the scheme is set on the same basis as the 2015-16 scheme and the contribution rate is, is frozen for a second consecutive year. Um, we continue to provide the discretionary subsidy for town and parish councils uh, as set out in paragraph 25 on page 70 of the papers and I'll speak to that in a moment and that we also um, set the same rate for the council tax discounts uh, as in 2015-16 again set out in paragraph 26 and 29 on page 70. Um, turning over the page the the details here set out the, the background to the scheme which replaced council tax benefit um, and I think it is important for us to remind ourselves of the current position. So pensioners on low income are protected um, from any adverse change. Um, disabled people, um, carers, blind people on low income again receive the discretionary protection. This was a decision that the council took a number of years ago. Um, working age people previously on full council tax benefit pay no more than 12.5% of the council tax bill and then below that under D, E, F, G and H we set out a number of other conditions that are assessed when we calculate the council tax support scheme. When I look at the table under 8 I think that Uttlesford is a standout council compared to Essex and elsewhere in the country where these figures um, are, are published. Um, what the table doesn't show is effectively extending it to 2016-17. Our proposal is to maintain it to 12.5% for a further year. We don't know what Basildon, Braintree, Brentwood and the other councils are proposing to do, um, but you will see from this table that all councils have chosen to set a level which is significantly higher than we have chosen to do here at at, at Uttlesford. What is interesting also is the detail set out under paragraph 9, which is the number of recipients of, uh, of, of council tax, local council tax support. Well, pensioners and disabled claimants and, uh, have, gone, have ra ra stayed roughly stable over this period. What is also very interesting is that the working age claimants, the number has decreased by about a third in the same period. And I think that conforms with the government's overall programme of ensuring that work always pays. Um, so we have a falling number of claimants um, from 1,300 to 920 in the current year. That does mean that were we to propose an increase, it would have a greater impact on those individuals who were recipients. Um, all this positive news clearly comes at a cost and it's a cost that is borne by every other council taxpayer across the district and it's about balancing and making sure that as a compassionate council we balance that with the financial needs, um, the, the financial ability of the council and also the interests of, of all council taxpayers. So under the old scheme, the council tax benefit scheme, the council was refunded in full Paragraph 10 goes into detail about the overall decline in the contribution that the government has made. But the overall consequence of this is that as we have, um, as the government has reduced its contribution, so there has been a significant transfer of cost and obligation to local taxpayers. 
The cost of the scheme in 2014-15 for Uttlesford's residents was £59,000. This year, 15-16, it's £120,000. At a maintained level of 12.5%, the cost will go up to £209,000 for residents. So I need to put it in context that if we continue to subsidise it, it is at a cost to local residents. And we do not know what in the future financial position the Council will find itself in. And while I'm happy to make this recommendation for 16-17, I think we need to be aware of the challenges we as an organisation potentially face going forward. Um, to put it in context, were we to increase it to 15%, um, the cost to claimants would effectively be £23 a year, £23.07 or an additional 44p per week. Were the council to increase it to 30% that other councils, councils have chosen to do, it would be the equivalent of £2.57 um, per week. So, so we need to understand the, the balance between the two. The increased contribution costs to the, the, the increased costs rather to recipients versus the um, the the very significant cost that is borne by council taxpayers by maintaining the rate at 12.5%. And we need to also understand that it will never be self-funding. There will always be a financial contribution which will have to be borne by this council, even were we to increase it to 30%. Um, paragraph 18 talks about the income sharing arrangements we have in place, and there is a great deal of detail behind um, paragraphs 19 to um, 22, which sets out the scheme that we have in place to make sure that parish and town councils are not disadvantaged as a consequence of this. I, I won't begin to explain the table on 22. I know that the parish clerks from my own ward find it almost impossible to understand what happens and so they come each year to be assured that they are not disadvantaged by it but we need to remind ourselves that as a council again we make a very generous contribution in making sure that parish and village and town councils are not disadvantaged as a consequence of this. Um, so we will be recommending the discretionary parish subsidy scheme continues for 16-17 and it's indeed our medium term objective subject to affordability to continue this. Um, the other thing I need to point to you to are the council tax discounts that were set uh, in 2014 um, for second homes, empty homes, um, which we will continue to maintain. We need to note that this generates an additional £400,000 worth of income for the council, of which Uttlesford's share, sorry, across, across the council, of which Uttlesford's share is £57,000. Um, and then page 34 sets out for what for us will be the cost of maintaining the current contribution level, um, for, which is £209,000, and then a timetable for scrutiny, consultation and approval of this proposal. Mr Lee, that's the recommendation. Thank you very much, Councillor Howell. You've made an extremely complicated subject seem a lot easier this evening. Uh, do we have a seconder for... This is Councillor Redfern, thank you. Open to the floor, Councillor Dean. You, you. Try again. Um, 
I agree with Councillor Howell that the numbers and the permutations and the calculations here are extremely complicated. However, I'm looking at um, paragraph 29, uh, which is on my page 73, which Councillor Howell has just referred to, in fact, that, that the total income were this to uh, be confirmed in due course would be £400,000, of which much the biggest lot would be given to the County Council and Uttlesford's share would be 57000 We've noted that the number of people who are covered by this um, scheme is reducing. So obviously at some stage one starts to ask the question, is it worth having uh, a separate scheme for of, of this type uh, I'll just a small intervene. number of people. I, I, I think Can you're I... mixing up two schemes. No, I don't. Because you're, you're, you're talking about £400,000 under item 28, which is the discount on second homes. The reducing oh, that was, number oh, that was is the around the council okay. tax benefit. Right, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yes, I was looking at the wrong paragraph. The, in that case, I will ask the question, because I'm not quite sure where it is in here. Where does it... Where do, where is the information here as to the actual revenue to this council from uh, this scheme were it to be maintained in the next year as, as it is at the moment? This is the council tax benefit scheme? Yes. CTS? Yes. Councillor Howell? Uh, Mike? So maintaining at 12.5%, what do we... Uh, what do we raise from the yes, 920 recipients? That's a very good question because I'm not sure I know where exactly in these, this paper it is. I think I can probably work the number out backwards, um, <laughs> but I don't think this paper actually does identify what that number is. The total cost to the 920 recipients, to those 920 recipients, um, will be a figure that Mr. Webb, I think, will probably be best circulating after the meeting. Mrs. Knight? Yeah. Uh, if I can uh, help a little, you can't actually easily quantify that because not everybody will be in full receipt. It depends upon their individual circumstances. So there'll only be the people who are, say, totally or really low earners who will get the full benefit, others will pay a proportion additional because of their income levels. So it's not as easy to say there's 930 claimants or 20 claimants times 12.5%. It doesn't quite work like that. But we can have a stab at getting you some figures to give you an idea. Well, it, um, we must know what it was in the last year and perhaps it goes down by 5%. I don't know. There must be a, a round figure that, that is known. Sorry, Councillor Dean. I, no, I was saying there must be a round figure, uh, an approximate figure that is known for the income that this scheme brings in. We will have to get back to you on that. We haven't got that sort of figure here. It is not a straightforward bit. We've tried this. I think we may have tried this for you before. I, I know. I've asked the question um, in previous years. Yeah, yes. and we've said each time that it is an incredibly complex bit to try and get a, a, an accurate figure. But we will have another go and see if we can get someone there to give you a feel for what this generates. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I'll wait for the number. I mean, the reason I, I raise it is that, first of all, we've seen a scheme which is reducing in take-up. That's not the right word, but I think you know what I, what I mean, Chairman. Um, 
it, it, it brings in a certain amount of revenue and we don't know how much it is at the moment. What's going through my mind is what, what information do we give to the public in the consultation to assist them in making a right judgment on whether the proposed scheme should be continued as it is. And, and you know, one thing that, for instance, has arisen earlier in this meeting is, is the fact that the council between now and between February and now has discovered that it underspent by a further £900,000. So one could argue or one could tell the public that well actually we've got £900,000 in the coffers that we didn't know we were going to have in February. Um, do you think we should use that to make this scheme even more generous than it is? Now I'm not reaching a judgment on that. All I'm saying is that I think it's important in going out to consultation that you present the public with a fair picture of what the potential options are and, and I'm not here trying to write the consultation document but I'm, I'm just wanting to make sure that, you know, that it, it, it's, a, it's a fair consultation that presents a fair picture um, that, 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 that the public will understand. Does it, do you see where I'm coming from, Chairman? Sort of. We must dispel this rumour that we found £900,000. First of all, it wasn't. It was 750 We didn't. Um, and I thought we'd explained that before. Um, it was a question of whether it was in reserve or the uh, revenue account. But we did no. not find money in February. Um, we always had a plan for those reserves. No. Um, but moving on from that point, uh, we can certainly uh, consider carefully how the consultation is um, Phrased, but there are some important uh, figures in this. It does cost the other taxpayers £200,000, of which 171 of it is, is around the town council, um, parish council, yeah. part of the precept. So there is a cost. Um, going back to your earlier point of how much does it bring in, the one figure I do recollect is that if we put it up to 2.5%, it was going to bring in another £3,000. I seem to remember we discussed at one point. But um, I, I think... the. The Cabinet, bluntly, has no intention of reducing this figure. Um, next year, we may have to increase it if the budget on July the 8th is particularly difficult. Our view is that we were able, because we were in uh, a positive financial position, uh, to reduce council tax by 3%, and that until we know any different, in other words, until July the 8th budget, that we should continue that policy of, of being supportive where we can, which is why we're recommending no change. But at some point, this is, this is government policy, it was your government policy when you were part of the government to, to introduce this levy. Uh, it is about the welfare to work programme. Um, and it's quite possible at some point uh, we might have to reconsider our position on this. But at the moment we can afford not to do that and to be generous. It's great news that the number of claimants is going down. That's first class and hopefully that will continue to be the case. Um, but in our... In answer to your point, yes, of course, we'll, take, we'll consider very carefully that it, it, it is well explained to the public so that in the consultation they can make a fair decision. Councillor Redfern and then Councillor Barker and then Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you, Chairman. Mine is just a comment on the, um, just having gone through this document before, was, um, it just highlights to me the, um, on page 73, item 28, the um, uh, changes we made to the uh, 
empty homes, council tax, and I would like to ask um, Councillor Howell if we could actually think about reviewing this again, because frankly, if someone's got no good reason for having a um, home empty for more than two years, I think maybe just a premium of 50% is not enough. We've got so many people in need of housing, and if you've got an empty house without a good reason for that, then it's, it's different to a second home. This is actually empty properties. I think we should make it uncomfortable for people to have that um, property empty, and I, I wonder if we could just make a note to look at this later on in the year. I'm very happy to make a note and look at it at a future date, um, but I wouldn't want to be drawn on what the decision might be on that. Mr. Weaver. Just to clarify on that, the, the recommendation here is to go out to consultation to keep it at the same level. I think if we get significant feedback from the public out there that um, they're equally unhappy with those sort of levels, then I would expect us in the feedback to look at it and react accordingly. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. I'm happy to propose the recommendations that we have. However, I do think it would be a perfectly suitable study for scrutiny to have a look at and come back to the Cabinet member with uh, proposals. I'm not sure if Councillor Dean would agree with that. Sorry. Sorry. I said I'm happy to propose the recommendations, but would think it would be a very good subject for scrutiny to have a look at and come back to the Cabinet member with thoughts once they understand the figure slightly more fully. Thank you, Councillor Barker. I will ask my committee whether it's interested <laughs> okay. to do so. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I'm, I'm going back to paragraphs 11 and 12 uh, and the issue of the, the, the cost of the scheme, which um, I apologize, I don't quite understand this, but somehow it seems to be amplified by a reduction. Our, our cost seems to be amplified by a reduction in the revenue support grant. Uh, are you saying that a part of the uh, revenue support grant is hypothecated towards this scheme? It is. Lodge, yes, exactly. It is exactly that. So as it decreases, so the transfer of responsibility comes our yeah. way. Okay, thank you. Are there any other comments? Okay, those in favour of the recommendation four uh, in three parts, as read out, I believe, by Councillor Howell earlier. Um, those in favour? Those against carried unanimously. That takes us on to item 11, which is the conservation area appraisal for Little Eastern. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, I have great Knight. pleasure in presenting the Little Eastern conservation area appraisal and draft management proposals. This is a new conservation area that has been assessed by Mr Tice and his officers. Unfortunately, Mr Tice is on holiday this week, um, so not here to be thanked in person. Um, and it came as a request from the Parish Council. If approved by the Council, this appraisal will be considered as a material consideration when determining planning applications. The proposal is for a small conservation area which includes Little Eastern Manor, the church, the rectory, church cottage, church lodge, ravens and church row, and the land and ponds to the east of Little Eastern Manor. The appraisal is a joy to read, relating details of the history of the area, of the Maynard family and of the Countess of Warwick, the creation of the Barn Theatre, where Gracie Fields, Charlie Chaplin, George Formby and H.G. Wells, who lived on the estate, regularly performed. It details the requisitioning of the estate in the Second World War and the 10,000 trees that were cut down for the airfield. There are details of the stained glass windows of the church dedicated to the servicemen of the USA Air Force 
386 bombardment group, the Crusaders, who were based here during the war. Descriptions of the landscape included the flint walls and iron railings used to define boundaries, and a new term for me, the patte d'oie, explaining that the layout of the paths throughout the estate resemble a goose's foot. The mature trees and ponds are referred to as being of particular importance. Chairman, I would like to propose the adoption of the appraisal. I note that there are two small management proposals, namely to seek to reduce the impact of overhead cables and secondly to advise Historic England of the correct name for the church. Do I have a seconder for this? Councillor Wells, anybody wish to comment? Uh, the recommendations are laid out at uh, paragraphs 4 and 5. Um, first of all, the area appraisal will be approved, and secondly, that the conservation area be formally designated. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. And uh, for those of you who haven't had the benefit of um, reading through these area appraisals, now there's almost a book of them for most parts of Uttlesford, and they do make a... Councillor Barker's pro promised to sort of put this into some kind of bounded <laughs> publication at some point. But it is a, it is, it's good stuff, actually. It's impressive. It's lovely. Um, moving on to item 12. Um, same thing for Quendon and Rickling. Thank you, Councillor Chairman. Barker. The Quinton and Rickling Conservation Area was first designated in 1977 and we have a duty to periodically carry out a review. Um, I never quite understood Quentin and Rickling, but I now learn from the appraisal that Quentin is a mainly linear settlement along the B1383 with Rickling a more nucleated settlement adjacent. There are 53 listed buildings within the parish, of which 31 are within the conservation area. The appraisal mentions the medieval deer park at Quentin Hall, the Motton Bailey, dating from the 11th to 12th century at Rickling Hall, as well as drawing attention to unusual parting at Rickling Corner Cottages. It suggests the retention of an early 20th century post box, as well as old cast iron finger posts, the prominent village fountain, and cites the importance of the village cricket green where matches have been recorded since 1843. Once again, however, the appraisal also considers that power lines and excessive street furniture detract from the traditional character of the area. There are a number of small amendments proposed in the conservation area so as to make the boundary more logical. Chairman, I propose the amendments as set out. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern, those wishing to comment? Councillor Lodge, who regularly plays cricket on the green. Can I just say that 1843 is the completely wrong start date for cricket on Rickling Green. It goes back probably a century more. I, I, I did say recorded. I have some records. <laughs> if you have records, we will be delighted to see them. I'm sure Mr Tice would add them as a, there is a well-recorded, sorry, there is a well-noted uh, cricket match of 1841 referred to but not actually recorded in their record so any additional information is always very welcome. I thought the Council Lodge had been playing there since 1841 <laughs> but um, uh, we'll certainly amend um, we will uh, amend accordingly and thank you for that piece of information. Um, those in favour? Against, carried unanimously. Moving on to item 13, assets of community value. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, as you will be aware, this Council from time to time has received requests for additions to our list of assets of community value, a concept that was introduced under the Localism Act of 2011. The paper this evening sets out the details of five areas in Felstead that the parish has asked to be listed as assets of community value. These are the allotments in Station Road, the village playing field in Braintree Road, Ravens Play Crescent Play Area, in Watchhouse Green, Willows Green Play Area in Evelyn Road and Bannister Green. There are strict criteria against which the Council must assess whether an asset is of community value. 
namely that the asset use furthers the social well-being or interests of the local community and it is realistic to think that at some time in the next five years the asset will further the social well-being or social interests of the community or that there was a time in the recent past where a building or land had furthered the social well-being or interests of the community and it is reasonable to think that in the next five years the building or land could further the social well-being or interests of the community. The nomination has been validly received by the Council and officers have assessed each of the areas as fulfilling all four tests required. I therefore propose that the assets as set out in paragraph 3 are included on the asset of Community Valley list. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell, thank you. Those wishing to speak on this? It does have significance to um, local communities. No? Right. Those in favour of the recommendation as read out by Councillor Barker, those against carried unanimously. Item 14, uh, we move on to the Great Chesterford Parish Plan, which we've all been furnished a copy of. Well, thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, now we've got a hard copy, but I, I have read the previous copy. Um, Chairman, Cabinet this evening is being asked to excuse me, I've lost my place, adopt the Great Chesterford Parish Plan as Council approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence in the preparation of the local plan. The parish sent out a survey, or the parish plan group sent out a survey to households in 2013 with a response rate of just under 50%, so to inform the preparation of the plan. I was particularly impressed to see that there was a survey specifically raised for the under-18s. I thought that was a very nice touch. The key, po key points and findings are set out in the document. Sorry, Chairman, it's dealing with whatever. Around the scale and type of housing residents would wish to see, about the poor bro broadband provision, about the speed of traffic and the state of the roads, as well as the aspiration for improved cycleways and improved facilities at the station. I note, for interest, from the Highways Panel's papers for next Monday that the 20 mile an hour limits in the village are due to be in place for December. Um, it's a well constructed plan with the statement and excellent early update from the Parish Council on progress on issues raised by the plan group. The plan will provide valuable evidence for the future as the parish embarks on a neighbourhood plan. I propose its adoption. I have a seconder. Councillor Redfern. Those wishing to speak? Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, this was, um, I can't believe how long these documents take to get from start to finish, but um, it was very much a community um, project, this, and as you say, we did have a, a pretty good response to it. Every a copy has already gone to um, every household in the, in the um, village, and you'll see that really this is a sort of... Um, this was the first step to agenda item 15, but um, it has. It, you can see from what's already started that the parish council are also pretty proactive on what they do. There's already many things they've taken into consideration and uh, moving forward with already. So I'd be delighted if everybody could support this. Anybody else wish to speak on this? Okay, I remind you of the recommendation that the working group recommend that cabinet adopt the parish plan as. Oh, no, sorry, should, shouldn't say the working group. That should all be gone. That's all wrong. Cabinet adopt. The parish plan as uh, a council approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence in the preparation of the local plan. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Okay. Thank you very much. 
Um, that brings us on to item 15, designation of Great Middle Chesterford Neighbourhood Development Plan Area. Thank you, Chairman. We have a proposal from Greater Little Chesterford to designate the parishes of Greater Little Chesterford as the Greater Little Chesterford Neighbourhood Development Area. The proposal was received in March. The dates are a bit strange in your document. The proposal was received in March and advertised, and once designated, the Council will be able to claim a £5,000 grant towards covering the costs of assessing and of dealing with the submission. Chairman, we are keen for parishes to create neighbourhood plans where appropriate and delighted to see that these two parishes have joined up in this way. I propose the designation. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Those wishing to speak? Councillor Redfern. Thank you. Um, I would like to just uh, mention that I am actually the chairman of the Neighbourhood Development Plan Area Working Group, but um, I think I'm okay to speak about this. Um, I am really delighted that the two villages have um, come together because uh, eight years ago when I became the member for the Chesterfords, um, I used to turn up at um, Little Chesterford Parish Council meetings and they could hardly bring themselves to speak to me because I'd come across the border. Um, and we seem to have a much warmer relationship these days and I'm not taking all the credit but I'd like to think I've done something for it. Um, and We've, we've already started talking to different areas because the Chesterfords do, ha do, between them, have quite an interesting um, uh, group, I suppose, so we, because obviously we take in um, various bits of employment land around, um, the st around our station in Great Chesterford and also um, Little Chesterford Park. Um, and that they've also um, are happy to engage with us in helping us bring this, bring this document forward. And um, this is sort of like the first step for us, really, to make sure that um, the council here are happy with the, the area that we've chosen and from what Councillor Barker said, she um, clearly is. Um, and so, again, I would very much like to ask for the support of Cabinet to um, take this forward. Thank you. Do I have any other speakers? As Councillor Barker has indicated, the, um, the council is very keen that communities develop their neighbourhood plan. It's a key part of local democracy and the input into uh, the local plan and uh, the relationship between parishes and uh, the council. Um, and as you know, there is, there is some funding available to support the process. So this is uh, part of the journey of completing this plan to designate the actual um, neighbourhood development area. Uh, so those in favour? against carried unanimously. On to item 16, which is the appointment of working groups for 2015-16. And um, we have in front of us um, the Community Achievement Panel. Um, and we have still to not make three nominations for the Conservatives and one for residents for Uttlesford. I can declare tonight that the uh, Conservative nominations are Vic Ranger, Julie Redfern and John Freeman. I don't know if Councillor Lodge has the... I'm afraid I'm, I'm a little bit remiss on, on a few of these. After our last meeting, I think I came back with some nominations. I've still got probably about three or four nominations to do, of which this is one of them, so okay. my apologies. That's fine. Uh, I think the Highways panel is there, so um, unless there's any change, similarly the Housing Board, uh, similarly the Planning Policy Working Group, similarly the Museum Management Working Group, um, 
similarly the Stansted Airport Advisory Panel, but there are three vacancies to be filled by RFU and the Liberal Democrats. The Liberal Democrats have filled there too, so that's another one for Councillor Lodge, yeah? So that's two, so... Uh, and the last area is the Waste Strategy Panel, um, which is three Conservatives, one each of the other two parties. Um, that has been nominated. Uh, so the three Conservatives for that, we have already um, Councillor R. Freeman um, and Councillor Foley, um, and uh, the three Conservatives are Councillor S. Barker, Councillor Farthing and Councillor Wells. So if we're happy with those. Did I not uh, send in a revision saying that Councillor Gleeson would go on the airport advisory panel instead of me? I'm sure I did. We can the, take it to the Secretariat. We can take it tonight. There's no problem. But um, if that's your wish. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I think it, it is. Yes, go for it. So instead Please. of Councillor Dean on the Stansted Airport Advisory Panel, it is Councillor Gleeson. Can you remind us of his Christian name? His Rory. Rory. Rory Gleeson. Okay, if everybody's happy with that, uh, we will move on to item 17, which is the appointment of representatives on outside bodies. And we have that list in front of us. Um, there is the uh, one gap, uh, the Saffron Warden Day Centre Management. Do you want to add that to your list? Yes. Yeah. Um, if um, they do have a, an, an annual meeting coming up, and I, I have been, I went to my last meeting uh, after the election to tell them that I was no longer continuing and they're asking for the nomination and it would be quite helpful if uh, I was able just to advise uh, my successor of what we perceive to be the issues obviously it's for them to take it um, I'll have to check that I'll, I'll forward the, you the okay right and um, I um, I will publicly uh, give uh, Councillor Dean an apology about the Stansted Airport Community Trust because at a meeting uh, of the leaders with the Chief Executive pres present um, I thought there was a vacancy because I had uh, misread the information given to me um, and we have subsequently had to barter and um, Councillor Marie Felton is the person so uh, apologies about that misunderstanding um, I understand there is a, a further misunderstanding but this time I'm pleased not of my making um, around how many nominations there are on the uh, Stansted Airport Consultative Committee uh, the, uh, sorry not that one the <laughs> yeah, yes yes it is that one yeah. um, where there is a, we've double checked and there is only one nomination all right, so there is only one place. Uh, any place. And, it, yeah. and it, is there not? I thought in the past, as I think I said in an email, yes, I thought there was a, a main and a substitute or whatever the right term is. Is, is that not the case anymore? I, I mean, on that basis, we could have a substitute for everybody, I guess, but um, I mean, I'm sure I, I can talk to uh, Councillor Artis about a substitution if that would be yeah, I, I, helpful. I, I, but there, there, I know there has been in the past, but I don't know what the formal arrangements are at all. I have no idea. Yes, uh, Chief Executive. 
Thank you, Chairman. I think the arrangement previously was that we had two people nominated to serve on it, and it was up to them how they um, arranged it, but it was that one would substitute for the other in the other's absence. But uh, it was an informal arrangement between the two people. There was no set structure within the Council. So, I, I, so the answer to the question is we only have one place from, from Uttlesford District Council. That bit we're clear, we've double-checked that. Whether there's an arrangement in terms of uh, an internal arrangement, I will speak to Councillor Artis on that basis. Um, moving on, um, there is then Uttlesford Transport Forum and the Uttlesford over 60s, so a couple more after you post to fill in there, which I'm sure will happen in due course. Uh, I would just now like to talk about Uttlesford Futures. Um, we had a board meeting of um, what is otherwise known as the Local Strategic Partnership, and I'll remind uh, Cabinet that uh, this group has four key subcommittees, one of which is Health and Wellbeing, one of which is Children and Families, uh, the, other, the third is the Community Safety Partnership, and the fourth is an acronym ESET, which stands for uh, Economic um, Development, uh, Further Education, um, the Environment, and Transport. And these subgroups are chaired by an independent uh, person um, elected by the relevant groups. Um, and include um, Uttlesford officers, Uttlesford members and external parties and they do a great job. We have in the past come together as a board uh, but the, groups of the, the chairs of the group and others really felt that the board was a duplication, that it, it, it wasn't really taking the process forward in the same way that the groups themselves were taking the process forward. And as a consequence, at their meeting yesterday, elected to dissolve the board. Um, I think that's the right decision um, so that we can focus their time and effort, it, because we were putting a lot of strain um, on the voluntary sector who are having to come to about six or seven different meetings um, and others. Um, but the, the democratic process is through the subcommittees uh, and they will, the four chairs will get together to make sure they're not duplicating but they all have four clear sets of objectives um, and as I say there's quite a rich attendance of those groups. So in summary the board elected to dissolve itself um, and therefore the Uttlesford Futures bit um, is no longer. But I, uh, you know, I encourage the Council to stay in close touch with the Local Strategic Partnership and those four areas. Those four areas will be closely integrated with the work of the Council because clearly what we want is one set of objectives around subjects like health and well-being. Um, and um, I'm sure that the, the chairs would be pleased if, you know, if others wanted to get involved. We don't want huge, great groups, obviously, but I don't want to uh, ignore um, active participation. Um, but uh, the, the board itself was... Uh, the, the, the final point to make is that there is always an annual assembly, another opportunity to, to, to understand what the work of the group is doing, um, and that will continue. Otherwise, that uh, completes. So if we're happy with those names, um, I just need for a 
I don't, did I take a vote, Maggie, on the last one? I didn't. So um, perhaps we could take the two together, um, 16 and 17. Um, those in favour? Those against? Unanimously carried. Which brings us to item um, 18, which is the appointment uh, to the North Essex Joint Parking Partnership, which uh, Councillor Barker um, has within her portfolio, um, and the West Essex Wellbeing Joint Committee, um, which hasn't met in the last year. So I'm going to ask the Cabinet Member and the Lead Member, Councillor Wells and Councillor Graham Barker, but um, don't worry, I don't think it will be too onerous. The real focus has to be around the Uttlesford Health and Wellbeing Group and to make sure that the residents of Uttlesford have got the health facilities and the wellbeing facilities that they need. So if we're comfortable with that, I put that to the, make those recommendations, put that to the vote. Thank you. And our penultimate item, 19, the Statement of Community Involvement, which was considered at the Planning Policy Working Group but has to be voted upon at Cabinet. Thank you, Chairman. The Statement of Community Involvement, as you say, um, did go to the Working Group. It has been subject to a six-week period of consultation. A small number of responses were received, and these were considered at the Working Group on June the 8th, not 6th, as it says in the paper. The Working Group agreed the proposed revisions to the statement which have been incorporated into the revised document. I therefore propose the adoption of the statement of community involvement as attached. Do I have a seconder to that? Councillor Wells. Anybody wish to speak to that? I think perhaps, Chairman, I'll just repeat something of what I said at the Working Group that. Uh, partly triggered by the low response to this consultation is in that there must be uh, a major degree of consultation fatigue out in the community, uh, particularly over the local plan. Um, I just suggest that somehow or other we think how we can get people to re-engage in the issue. I'm sure that they will once it becomes a real thing, but... Um, Maybe we've got to do something differently, and I'm not going to make any suggestions on that tonight. Thank I mean, you. we fully take the point, um, and we had quite a discussion about it at the Planning Policy Working Group. It is terribly important that the whole community is engaged in the subject. I sense they will be. Um, this was a fairly dry uh, subject to consult on, uh, which may explain why it didn't get. But clearly the key issues when we come to the plan around the strategy for the plan, as we discussed at the Working Group, and then obviously the proposed sites, I'm sure there will be considerable response. So I remain optimistic that the community will stay closely involved in this. But I, we take your point, and, um, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned on this particular instance. Okay, um, do I have a seconder? Did I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Those in favour that the amended statement of community involvement as set out in the report be adopted. Thank you very much indeed. Item 20, Chairman's Urgent Items. I don't have any, so the meeting is duly closed at 8.20. Thank you very much.